Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. Hair and makeup are a big part of presentation for competitive dance. And even though they might seem like small details, the wrong hairstyle or a poor makeup choice can have a big effect on stage. Here with us today on Making the Impact are Caroline Diamond, professional dancer and makeup artist, and Lynn McNellis, dance mom and founder of Fave 4 Hair, to chat all things hair and makeup. Hey y'all, welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller. What's up, Courtney? Not too much. What's up with you? Oh, no, nothing. Just uh, re- living our episode with Regold where we just fangirled the whole time and learned so much. (laughs) Seriously learned so much. Absolutely obsessed with him. What a way to kick off season four. Like the perfect guest and literally a legend. (laughs) A legend. If you guys haven't listened yet, you have to go back and listen. It's Regold. It really should just be enough said. But if it's not, go back and listen because there's a wealth of information to be learned from this amazing man. Yes. and. Like we, like you all were introduced to last week on the first episode of season four, we have reintroduced our spotlight featured episodes. So this season on on making an impact, we're doing spotlight features that will feature a an influential person in the industry, maybe an industry leader, maybe a dance company or a dance business that we want to hear from that we feel are making an impact. And then we are also still doing our fabulous studio spotlight features which were such a huge hit last year and we're gonna have even more studios come and chat and tell us the ins and outs of how their studio works and their success so we're really excited to have all these spotlight features for season four and something else that we're introducing in season four that you maybe haven't heard us talk about yet is something that we've been talking about for a while and we're finally making it happen And it's our Platinum Premium Membership for Making the Impact. Ooh, what's that? I know. What is that? (laughs) Well, if you've loved our Q&A with Courtney episodes throughout the seasons, we're actually going to take those over to the membership side. And what that means is that you're going to get exclusive access to our Q&A episodes and they're going to be happening on a monthly basis. So before they used to kind of only happen four times a season. Now every single month, we're going to sit down and we're going to answer all of your questions. And this is only going to be exclusive to our Platinum Premium membership subscribers. So by joining our Platinum Premium membership, it's a monthly subscription. You'll receive exclusive access to the Q&A with Courtney episodes. And those episodes will also feature some special guests here and there. All of our members will also get first dibs on questions to be answered during the Q&A lives. So we will always put priority on your questions as a supporter and subscriber. And there's also going to be some bonus content that we're going to throw your way. You'll get a discount on merch. You'll be able to listen to all season four episodes ad free without any ads, which is a great perk as well. And we are going to have some really fun special shout outs for all of our listeners live on the air. So if you have supported us in the past, if you're a diehard Making the Impact fan from season one, if you love what we're doing over here and want to help support our podcast to continue to produce amazing content and have fabulous guests on for years to come, then please join our premium membership. It is going to be a blast over there and we can't wait to connect with you. 
It's only $5 a month, y'all. It's the cost of a Frappuccino, okay? And you I get. I think it's less than a Frappuccino, Courtney. Oh, really? Because Starbucks Listen, is, you know. It's expensive. You know. Inflation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A grande. What's bigger than a grande? A venti. A venti, venti frap mm. is the cost. And you will be receiving so much helpful knowledge over here on the pod, like you always do. So if you want to support us, you can head on over to our website at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash support our pod, or you can click the link in our show notes to sign up now. And we are so grateful for all of you who have continued to support us from season one. And don't worry, if you are not into supporting us via the Q&As, via our Platinum membership, you're still getting the same exact quality, amazing content that you've gotten for the past three seasons. That is true. So we get it if you don't have the funds, because listen, inflation is real. Then we still love you. We still support you. You can still be in our Facebook group. You can still be our friend. We can still provide you with all this amazing stuff. But for those of you who wish to contribute a little bit more, we appreciate you. And next up, we have a fabulous sponsor today, sponsoring our podcast for another season. And that is Fave 4. Your costume is pinned, eyelashes are on, and your lipstick is set. Except now you have to transform your little one's hairstyle for their next routine. (gasps) Avoid the tears, trying to brush through sticky gel or glue-like hairspray by using Fave 4. Fave 4 is a family-friendly, high-performing hair care line made by professional moms who were once dancers and now have dancers themselves. They know the importance of easy-to-use, brushable, and clean products that can last through every turn, tap, and tour jeté. Visit fave4.com to learn more about their products now. That is fave, F-A-V-E, the number four, dot com. We also have an exclusive promo code to offer our podcast listeners to try out fave4 yourself. Use the code IMPACT15 in all caps at checkout to receive 15% off your very first order. I know you're going to love their products, and we can't wait for you to try them out at your next competition. And thanks to Fave4 for sponsoring us in season four. And what a perfect sponsor for this episode, because today we're talking about hair and makeup, everybody, which I didn't even mention at the top of this episode, but I'm sure you know because you clicked on the episode to listen. So we're so grateful for Fave4 for sponsoring us this season. And before we officially jump into this episode, I have some making the Impact Award winners to share with you all. So over the summer, we had a few award winners at some of our IDA-affiliated Nationals events. And last season, we launched our Making the Impact Judges' Choice Awards, where our judges that are out of competitions are able to select one dance out of the entire weekend that they felt made an impact that they are still thinking about by the end of the event. And it's such an honor to receive this award. Everyone has loved it. Everyone receives a, gr- a beautiful Making the Impact plaque that you can hang up at your studio or hang up in your room if you're a winning soloist. And one of the other perks is that you get a shout out live on the air. So I'm excited to announce a few of our recent Making the Impact award winners from Nationals. First up from Epic Dance Showcase's Nationals event in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Congrats to Come Together, a large group from Artistic Dance Unlimited in Alcoa, Tennessee. and. From Diva Dance Competitions Nationals in Cambridge, Maryland, this award went to Fight, Flights, and Freeze from Revolution Dance Company at Leap of Faith in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Congrats to all of our winners. Can't wait to see who wins the Making the Impact Award this season. All right, everybody, it's time to jump into this week's episode, and we're talking all about hair and makeup for the competitive stage. We've been dying to do this episode, and I can't wait to introduce you to two brand new guests who are joining us on the podcast. First up is someone who I've known for 
practically my entire life because she grew up at the same dance studio as me. She was one of the littles when I was maybe a teen. She's a little one. And this girl is one of the funniest people I know, number one. Second, she is absolutely fierce. She's going to tell you all about her. I can't wait to have Miss Caroline Diamond on the podcast. Welcome, Caroline. Woo! I'm so happy to be here. Courtney, you were like, before we get into this podcast, yes, we did grow up together. And Courtney was always like the best one that, you know, we, we'd always like see that like the older kids were like, oh my God, we want to be just like the older kids. And I always wanted to be Courtney. And she was so, she yes. was always a performer and I emulated that. So uh, Courtney, thank you for making me who I am. Oh my gosh. You <laughs> are too sweet. That's really cool. That is so sweet. Thank you. It's Caroline. true. It's true. <laughs> Well, Caroline, we're pumped to have you here, and I want you to share a little bit more about you, where you grew up, and any career credits and what you're working on now, but also we are having you here because you also do makeup on the side, so you're going to be bringing us the makeup side of this discussion, and I can't wait to hear all of the tips and tricks you have to share to all of our listeners, but tell everybody a little bit more about Caroline. (sighs) About me. Okay. (laughs) So I grew up in Maryland with Courtney, uh, dancing my entire life since I was two against my will. And then (laughs) comp kid, comp kid down, did all of that ballet girl as well. You would never guess it, but she was. And then I furthered my education. I went to Point Park University and I studied jazz dance there. Knew that the student loans were not for me. So I graduated a year early, got out of there. And I moved to LA on my 21st birthday. And then since then, I've been pursuing dance professionally. I've worked with Lady Gaga. My first professional dance job was the Super Bowl halftime show. What? Let me say that one more time. My first (laughs) professional dance job. Because kids, this this ain't this ain't normal. But you know, I'm not also not normal either. So (laughs) so I did the Super Bowl halftime show with her. I toured with her. Recently, I've been working with Charlie XTX on the opposite side of thing. I've been assistant choreographing for her, which has been amazing. I'm currently uh, working on a TV show called The L Word, and we're doing Ooh. some dancing there. And then how I got into makeup. So after after I went on tour, I became, well, while, on, while I was on tour, I became really good friends with a makeup artist, and she was giving me all the tips and tricks, and I was really into it. And then at the end of tour, she gave me like a bunch of makeup. And I feel like with makeup, it's just, a lot of people would be more into it if they would have more resources to it. And so I was just dipping and playing and all these fun things. And then during the pandemic, because there was no like industry stuff that was happening, I was playing and I was playing all my friends and my roommate also takes pictures. So we were doing a lot of creative editorial makeup. And it was just really awesome for me to like experience something else that wasn't dance. And it was still so passionate and artistic. And since then I've done like a lot of different things like I've done a few music videos where I've done makeup and it's just been like such an amazing experience. It's so new and I love every part of it. Caroline, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Thanks for having me. And our next very special guest is a brand new guest to our podcast. And fun fact, she is actually the owner of our sponsor of this week's episode, Fave 4, which is a hair care line that we just told you all about in the sponsors. And she is also a dance mom. So we're going to have the dance mom perspective joining us on the podcast. I'm excited to welcome Lynn McNellis to the pod. Welcome, Lynn. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. This is, this is going to be fun. 
Okay, so I have been a dancer my entire life. Um, Again, started when I was two, just like you, as soon as I could walk and um, grew up in competitions, so competitive dance. And, you know, we would do all the big competitions. And then when I went off to college, I continued dance um, on my college dance team. And I even danced for Disney for a hot minute in there. And yeah, when I graduated college, I really wanted to continue my dance career, but um, my parents chose otherwise. (laughs) So I moved, um, I moved and, and started working and really fell in love with the beauty industry. So I started working in professional beauty and because, you know, I would be in development and, and I loved hair, obviously, like as a girl and especially growing up in, in competitions and anything glamorous, I was obsessed with the hair care market as well. So I learned development and really, you know, branding and I have developed many products that are on the shelf today, probably some that you use throughout my career, probably over a thousand, if I had to say, both hair and makeup and skincare and hair tools and all that good stuff. So finally, when I branched out on my own, I wanted to develop a line that was family friendly. I had three little girls. So that was really important for me. High performing because it's got to work, right? It has Mm -hmm. to work. It has to be, it has to make you happy. It has to make your hair happy. It has to work. So it was really cool for me to be able to combine my love for dance and, and my career. I mean, throughout my career, I've been able to judge for so many different things. I've judged for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders in the past. I've judged many dance teams, semi-pro teams here in Dallas when I did this past weekend. So I love being able to, to marry my two favorites and then have, have my three little girls who dance makes it even sweeter. And they have a lot of hair, so it's actually perfect. And I get to test um, all the products on them. I love that. I can I can also say I can vouch for fave for everybody. So if you are considering taking advantage of our promo code that we just told you about, definitely look into fave for yes, impact fifteen all, all caps. caps. Okay, get fifteen percent off because I use I love the the curl cream that that I'm uh it's the one yes. with the green. What's it called? Yes, the teal one. It's called Curls and Kisses. Yes, the Curls and Kisses. It's so good because as a curly girl, I I usually just went straight to gel and like all the people on Instagram are like, you're supposed to put cream and then put gel. And I was like, what? So then I started trying it when I uh, was sampling your product and I was like, this is great. So now I'm about to about to be about to order some more over here. So I can (laughs) I can say that it definitely works and I really enjoy your product. So great job with Fave 4 and we're so pumped to have you on here as well. Can't wait. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Hey. All right, y'all. Let's jump on in and talk about hair and makeup. Woo! Jump in. Well, so we're so lucky to have two dancers with us today and the two different perspectives that I, I want to just start really simply and sort of by asking, I want to start with Caroline asking What's really the difference between stage makeup and street makeup? Because I think when when just general humans think of makeup, they think of one thing. They think mm-hmm. of the way they either learned how to do makeup or were taught how to do makeup. But there's different kinds of makeup for different scenarios. And here we're talking about stage makeup. So what are really the differences that you see um, between stage makeup and your everyday makeup? I, there's there's a lot. So especially with now with like, you know, the TikTok trends, there's always a new makeup trend It's a trend. And the, <laughs> the new one now is like the clean girl mm, face, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, a skin tint, a little, a little concealer, not much like a fluffy brow, which works in the everyday. I love the look. It's great. 
we need full coverage on the stage. We need full yes. coverage foundation. <laughs> we need contour. You need to set your face or else you're going to melt. And a strong brow because it needs to frame your face because you're so far away from people. Mm, and it has to right. work with lighting, which I know we'll get into lighting mm -hmm. and how the changes yes. that works. But it's super important and it's very different. Yeah. So would you say, would you say that there's any, if your child is four, does she need no makeup on stage? Well, <laughs> my glamour child, my future glamour child, she'll have like a little, little blush, but I don't think that little kids should wear a lot of makeup. I feel like maybe like eight years old is when, okay, maybe we should start putting a little bit of a lash on, mm. a lipstick, more blush, but I don't think that like pressuring children into like making sure we look like toddlers and tiaras. No, I don't think that like that. <laughs> that's not really the ammo, but I right. think. Maybe like a rhinestone on the little outside, whatever makes like a little little kid feel their best. Sure. But I don't think like slapping a full face on a four year old is necessary at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I had a, I say I had a seven year old last competition season. And I think you, you were spot on, right? Like we did lashes, blush, lipstick. And it was just the right impact. And, you know, just to be able to be seen out there and not fading eyebrows too. Super important. Eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just like a little brow gloss, just you know, brush it over the brow to just have a little bit of fill in there. And then I think just like a very light, maybe even like a little few strokes of mascara to just yeah, some little kids have like the fiercest eyelashes as as right? is. So, so like, rude. Yeah, like they don't even <laughs> they don't even need mascara. But like, I do think blush is crucial. They probably don't need foundation. Like their skin is like porcelain beautiful. Like they don't need. Right foundation at all there's nothing really to cover up but maybe even just a, na a natural lip or something just to put a little bit of color on their lip so it doesn't get washed out by the lights i think is totally like more than enough but yeah like 8 10 is maybe when we can start doing the eyeshadow maybe we can start doing a little bit of a stronger lip and maybe start adding that foundation to the mix but i do think that there's huge debates on um, social media uh, with dance parents and dance teachers about like, when is it time to put a lash on a kid, you know? <laughs> and some people are like, yes. never, ne absolutely <laughs> never. I'm like, uh, actually, no, there is, there is, there is a time yeah. for stage. There's a time. There's a time. <laughs> well, never, you know, I've got red hair, which means my eyebrows are very light. My lashes are very long, but very light. So, like, you put me on stage with no makeup on, even if I was four or 14 or 24 or whatever, you cannot see me. <laughs> you can't, I am a ghost, you know? So it, it has so much less to do. I Like, I don't think anybody is thinking, I'm going to put a four-year-old in a full face because I want the four-year-old to look like a glamazon. It's, right. I just want the poor baby's face to be seen <laughs> because she's so pale and small. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. And so as a mom, Lynn, what are, what are your thoughts on... The full face of makeup, especially when we're thinking of stage makeup versus, like Caroline was saying, that sort of, what what did you call it? The clean like, girl makeup. The clean girl, <laughs> the clean girl makeup. <laughs> no, I do. I mean, you know, my girls all dance on teams and they will get washed out. They're little and they're sweet and they're, you're right, their face is like porcelain, but they need to, that pop of blush. They need that pop of lips. And then I much would, even though eyelashes are a little troublesome. I would much rather put eyelashes on my seven, eight, let's see, I have a 10 year old now than 
mascara. I mean, the, the lashes make such an impact for their eyes. And then, you know, not lining, let's say at the bottom, just so that their eyes pop a little bit more. A little bit of eyeshadow is great too, but right now they have really great skin. So yeah, <laughs> lucky. I can see that's going to change though. It's coming. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, let's we we mentioned the lashes. Let's just talk let's start talking about lashes for a minute cuz we're already there. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> it is <laughs> always a hot take. I mean, I don't even remember I actually I'm trying to think back when did I put a lash on my face? I remember them, you know, every every single kid, every mom can probably relate when it's the first time you're trying to put a lash on a child. And they're the kids are blinking and you're trying to line the lash and then it's all crooked and then it's like punching them in the inner corner of their eye and it hurts and then they're crying because right. it hurts and their it's makeup's huge. dripping down their face. <laughs> the lash is too big for their eye. Yeah, like so many things. <laughs> like I, I remember crying in the dressing room trying to get lashes on. So lashes, when that that whole debate I just said about people saying when is when what age do we put lashes on? What do you guys think? What what age feels appropriate? I mean, Lynn, you said you put them on your seven year old. That seems right to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like everything yeah. is kind of like conducive. You know what I mean? It's like if if like the seven year olds in a group of like 12 and 13 year olds like, yeah, we got to slap a lash on. So mm-hmm. we all like look cohesive. But I like I don't know if there's like a hard like six years old on the dot on their birthday they could start wearing lashes like i feel like that's you know it's a little strict for that kind of stuff yeah i also kind of feel like it depends on like i don't know not that like if it's a recital or like if if the stakes are a little less like i don't know that sounds weird but like i think the stage is the stage so the makeup should be the same no matter what but i can understand if people are like well my dancer's just a rec dancer and they just they don't want to put a full bead on their face and I I don't want them to have that until they're a teenager or whatever which is fine you know I think if you get the right kind of mascara you can do a pretty good job of creating like a a fake eyelash type of look with mascara right but but then you run into the getting it off of your face right. problem and like I have issues with that too just as an adult, it's like, is anything going to take this off without ripping my eyelashes out? So I kind of can, I can get behind a lash for anybody without mascara because of how, how troublesome it is to take off the mascara. Yeah. Like it's much easier to peel off glue, you know? Absolutely. The little ones rub their eyes a Mm, lot too, right? So as soon as they rub, now we've got mascara and now we're trying to, you know, ruining your work of art that you've created. (laughs) That we all cried and sweated over. What about those magnetic lashes? What are your thoughts on them? Have you tried them? Do they work? Do they not? I haven't gotten into them. I'm a little like apprehensive about them. I'm like, what is really the tea about them? But I know a lot of people that wear them and love Mm -hmm. them. There's also those lashes that you put like underneath your like lashes, not over top of your lashes. I don't know about that either. Yeah. And that one seems a little testy too. So (laughs) I haven't really ventured just because... The lash debate, we could go on for, we can, you know, as we said pre, pre-show, we could go on for hours about just lashes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also think a helpful thing is to cut your lashes if they're too big. Like, people think you mm-hmm. have to leave them. I cut, I'm an, a grown adult, and I still cut them to fit the shape of my eye because they make them really long sometimes. And then it's like yeah. drooping halfway down your eye, and you just look crazy. <laughs> And you're like, do I just keep gluing it? Yeah. Do I just keep gluing it on? <laughs> no. That's actually, that's a hot tip though. Like a lot of people don't cut their lashes. You right. have to like fit the dry lash to your eyel- eyelid. 
and yeah. see how much hangs right. over because it will you'll have like eyes instead of a long exactly I have a question for Caroline so when you're putting on lashes do you put the glue on the lash before and then put it on the eye or do you use like the little liner that's like that is like you know, glue thing? and liner and you just line and then put the lash on top Ooh, what, okay. what do you suggest? I, got, I got you Lynn okay here we go <laughs> here's the hot tips so <laughs> fit the lash to your eye cut the excess then put the lash glue on the actual lash then this is the tip. Everybody listening, this is the tip. You have to wait until the glue gets tacky before putting it on your eye. If you put the glue, if put the lash on your eye when the glue is so wet, that's when it's shifting all over the eye. Mm. The kid is like rubbing their eye. The glue is getting in their eyeball. It's too much. Mm. So wait till it gets tacky. And another hot tip is make sure your kids don't close their eyes, but look down. Because when you close your eyes, that's when the bottom lashes start to get stuck to the top nice. lashes. And yes. everybody's like, mom, I can't see because you glued all the lashes together. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep Make sure that the lash gets tacky, looking down, and put it on the lid. Don't tell them to look up yet. Make sure you can situate it and really butt it up right against the lid, right against those lashes. Make sure it's all ready to go before they look forward. And then you can just... Love it. That's a drop. great... Tip. Great tips. Wait, I have another question because I was okay. always the worst at putting on lashes for shows and it was like, it was such a trap and I have contacts and like, Ooh. it's just a lot going on with all the makeup mm. and stuff. Yeah. If you're using lashes, do you also use eyeliner on the top lid? Where do you put I it? I personally, oh, because Leslie, because we are, we're pale girls and we're like, we got those yeah. light lashes. You yeah. got to fill in the gaps. So okay. there's a thing yeah. called tight lining. Which Ooh. the kids are not going to like this. I'm just uh -oh. telling you now, your kid's uh -oh. not going to enjoy this. <laughs> but you'll peel your eyelid back and this little uh, spot, you got to yeah. get in there with like a coal or gel liner. Because otherwise, for pale girls like you and me, there's going to yeah. be like gaps. And you're like, what's going on? Mm. You have to fill everything in. Really yes. create that full black eye look mm. okay. up at top. This is good tips. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to wear a lash again in my life, but this is tips. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Or if you don't like to wear a full lash, you can get like half lashes. Yeah. Like as we were talking yeah, before, you can cut the like... lashes and just put it like right on the end, which will help you get like a cat eye yeah. look. Mm -hmm. So this. And then you can like yeah. blend also a with tip for like little tinies too. To, like, Blend yeah. the rest mm. of them. Totally. Always put the mascara on too. Always blend. Yeah. Them. I like, I always wear like, as you can see in this video, I always wear liner. like liner. Always. 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 I love it. Actually, I didn't wear liner the other day and I was with Alexa and you? she was like, I haven't seen your face without like eyeliner on in my whole life. I swear <laughs> you should get it tattooed on. They do that. <laughs> in, they do. Well, you know, like how back in the day, oh, back in the day, like high school. So like, uh, like back the 2000s. We would put <laughs> yeah. the eyeliner on the bottom, like, and it uh -huh. would religiously, mm, like, yeah. pencil eyeliner yeah. on the bottom. And back then, I was like, I'm going to get it tattooed on because I just never – when am I ever going to not wear it on the bottom? Like, that's how <laughs> I thought back then. I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> trend Don't over. go into the trends. Yeah. Don't do the trends. Don't do the trends. Don't do anything permanent trend-wise. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I will admit I did microblading, which was a trend. But that's a go okay one. That's not an okay a horrible. One. That's reversing an old trend. Yeah, that's reversing an old trend of overplucking. That your is eyebrows. true. <laughs> that's true. You have to fix that. That is true. Yeah, but oh, which now man. overplucking eyebrows are back is in. It? So oh, I don't Lord. know. What they are oh, the thin no. eyebrows and low waisted jeans, girls. Oh I don't no! Know. 
I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't do the overplus. I do not co-sign. No. No, I don't either. I love a full brow. I love a full brow look. So I'm a little upset about that. Me too. I love the fluffy brow. Yeah. Well, we briefly talked about makeup. Let's start digging into hair a little bit and then we'll go back mm-hmm. to like a, a final overall everything. So hair. Hair for the competition stage. We've seen it all. Honestly, I feel like I've seen every hairstyle ever. What are your thoughts, Lynn and others, as far as competitive hair? Do you feel like that it should just be something that's just sleek and polished and usable for every genre? Or are we doing the hair changes? What are your thoughts? Uh, Some are definitely doing the hair changes. I'll tell you that, you know, at our school and, and, you know, other friends' schools, that center part, low bun, super sleek, out of the face, pulled back is a winner. I mean, it is one that you just, you can't go wrong. You know, I know some people like the low pony, but, you know, ponytail or leaving that hair down, you have, you know, the opportunity for it to get caught in your costume or in your lipstick mm-hmm. or when you're turning. I mean, it's kind of hard sometimes to do a to spot in the turn when you have, you know, hair whipping in your face or it gets caught in your lashes. So I love when we can slick it back, we can slick it down really, really, really nicely, really secure, nice secure bun, and it's not even a factor. Now, with that being said, I do also love when there's a bit of hairography, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. the hair kind of becomes part of the routine. And, you know, that's really to the choreographer's um, creative vision, right? So, be, you know, using the hair as part of the routine. I say the only thing about that is to make sure you schedule those dances, (laughs) either laugh or, um, you know, somewhere where you have enough time to be able to make those hair changes because it is, it's really hard. And you may be able to go from, you know, a center part low bun to maybe a center part and low pigtails, maybe for hip hop, Mm. right? Because it doesn't necessarily feel right to have your hair in a low bun for hip hop. So I do feel like there's some, there's an element there where you have to change it, but making it a little easy on the parents and on the kids is, is key. Yeah. Yeah, I think the ease is key, especially at competitions where you've got, you know, you you could have your kid could be in 15 dances. And like you said, the scheduling of everything. And, you know, I, I personally can can braid like a very basic braid. I can't French braid. I can't do anything fancy. Like I personally can't do anything. So if you were asking me as a parent, if I had a kid to like do something crazy, I'd have to outsource that because it's that's a lot. <laughs> There might be a business for that, actually, at the competition. Yeah, truly. No, I do love, I do love like the two um, Dutch braids or the two French braids that'll go into the bun. That's also really beautiful. I love seeing the texture in the hair sometime, you know, a braid versus being really slick. But, you know, getting the hair really slick is, is also kind of a challenge because you have so many different hair types out there. And yes, right. When you have really curly hair, it's much harder than us with straighter hair yeah. oh yeah I was uh, all like, growing up it was like get your wispies back get your wispies yep. back oh I know can't that do it. I can't, not can't do it I can't do it they're like like I would go through like quadruple the amount of hairspray and gel with all my like no offense to my straight hair friends but like literally I it was just impossible and then you'd always get that feedback on your critique make sure your wispies are glued down and whatever I'm like oh my god and you're like, do I actually have to use glue? Literally. Like, are no, you asking you're telling me to use glue? <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Something that I w- I'm glad you brought up, Lynn, and I wanted to talk about because I think that is an important question that a lot of people have is d- d- different hair textures. And navigating different hair textures at a studio 
do we feel like that dancers need to have that cohesive look? I've seen so many times on forums where dance teachers or dance parents have asked the question like, my dancer has naturally textured hair or naturally curly hair, and my team is requiring them to straighten their hair for the look of competition. What are our thoughts on that? Because I have thoughts, but I want to know your thoughts. (laughs) I have thoughts too. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So I think that, you know, on a stage, you are uniform. So you do need to look like everybody else. And that's really your dance, again, your dance teacher, your studio, that's their vision for the dance. I think it is very important. I do, however, know that there are certain types of hair that the slicking, the constant hairspray, the drying of the alcohol can be really damaging to certain textures because they have more sensitive hair and more prone to damage. So I do believe if we're going to be like that for competition, then I think during the week, because I know my yeah. girls, you know, five days a week, they're on a ballet bun. Maybe we only go like 75, 80% on those days and, and leave the 100, 110% hair for the, for the competitions just to give hair a break because we should be sensitive to, to the textures because it is, it's a lot harder for some than others. I mean, you curly girls are, are, are one as well, but you know, right now bangs are really popular. You know, we call it fringe, but you know, the cute bangs are really popular amongst the little girls, but they have to slick it back for, for competition. You oh know, they have man, to I had, I had bangs like, <laughs> and, and I have very straight hair and I'm just thankful my mom owns a studio and we weren't, I mean, yeah, we had to wear our hair a certain way, but if you had bangs, you didn't like your bangs were your bangs. But like, if somebody had asked me in my straight bangs that were the, they couldn't do that. There was no way they could do that. They couldn't go straight back (laughs) because they're just, they, they grow a certain way. You know, it's like hair has a mind of its own. And I think also another thing to think about too, if, if you're asking, you know, somebody with different texture hair to straighten it with heat. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want their little children, no matter how old they are, no matter what kind of hair they have, to be exposed to that kind of heat. I mean, I I read somewhere that a hair straightener, like, gets hot enough to cook a pizza. Like, my hair straightener goes up to 450 degrees. Oh, my God. And I have straight hair. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so when you think about it that way, it's like, oh, my God. Like, if you were asking somebody with hair like yours, Courtney, to straighten it every single weekend with heat and you and you were seven, like, no, I don't think that's going to go. It's gonna, not going to fly. <laughs> but, but I do think there's that element of, of, of being uniform on stage, yeah. right? So it's, 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 part, it's kind of part of the game. Yeah. yeah. I know, and, you know, I think that's where I have, like, mixed feelings because I feel like that the uniformity is still present while still representing who you are as an individual. So mm-hmm. like, and I think that's like where it's changing a little and our industry is evolving a little bit. Yeah. Whereas like when I was growing up and Caroline, you know, like I kind of had, like I was, I kind of had to essentially straighten my hair because we actually changed our hair for every dance. Like we usually didn't mm-hmm. have like a specific, I think our go-to back in the day was like a side, cent- a side part in a, a split mm-hmm. low pony, but yep. then we could wrap it into a bun when we needed to or we could rip it out and put a half up half down or we could or the era of french twists oh yeah Ugh. french <laughs> least twist. favorite era yeah, yeah. french twist world mm-hmm. like we were changing our hair for every dance but i feel like now if it's a low ponytail what's it matter if it's curly or straight like to me it's you're taking away from that person's natural hair pattern and it's 
if you look at it, it's still uniform. You're still doing the same thing. But and then, it, you know, if our, if studios are concerned about that, then maybe they need to find a hairstyle that is appropriate and inclusive to every hair where that the damaging aspect is coming into play and is being thought about. I know for a fact that I am balding, literally balding in my hair. Right, right over here. I have baby, baby <laughs> hairs that will not grow. And that's why I have bangs now. So try to hide it because I ripped yeah. my hair back into ballet buns my entire life. And I, and I hated my curls back in the day. So I would like rip those, like no bumps at all. And I've damaged my hair for the rest of my life because of that. And like, I think that goes to say as, as well, Lynn, how you were mentioning like the demand of class hair and making sure the ballet right. hair is slicked and perfect. Like, we got to maybe we allow the wispies a little bit. Maybe we don't need the hairspray <laughs> as much for those because it is damaging. Like it really does make like pay a toll on our future <laughs> of hair. Funny you say that. I, I agree. And I, I think that's why using using good products and using products that um, not only for styling, but you have to also think about the care mm-hmm. in between, mm-hmm. making sure you're actually really cleansing um, your hair to get out all the hairspray buildup, you know, five days of hairspray. I mean, we wash my my oldest once a week, right? So she's got at the end of the week five days worth of hairspray hairspray buildup. So making sure though that you really work that through, get a good lather, scrub with the little silicone scrubby brushes on the scalp. It's easier for like the little ones to use that. But make sure you get all that out so you really are starting fresh and starting clean, and you're not clogging the hair follicles or it looks like or, or like too much hairspray sometimes you know, we'll leave like white flakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, after five or six yeah. days, it yeah. does happen. Even right. the best hairspray's in the market, right? So you have to, you have to get that, get it clean and start fresh because they have little scalps, right? That these, these children, I mean, it, and even us, right? As we're aging, like we have to make sure we're taking yeah. care of it and, you know, for the long haul. Totally. Hey listeners, it's Courtney, and I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. And speaking of episodes, if you have loved our live Q&As throughout the past few seasons, then I'm excited to share with you a new way to receive even more Making the Impact episodes by also helping support our podcast. Introducing Making the Impact's Platinum Premium subscription. Now live on our website, our Platinum Premium will be a members-only subscription where subscribers will receive exclusive access to monthly Q&A live episodes. All members will also get priority in having your questions answered each month on our Q&As, plus so many other perks, like 20% off Making the Impact merchandise, additional bonus content that is only released to subscribers, and ad-free listening for all of season four, where all of our future episodes will automatically go to your podcast feed without any sponsored ads. Our Platinum Premium subscription is a way for fans to receive even more informative and educational advice about the competitive dance world while also helping support our podcast for years to come. If you love what we do at Making the Impact and want to show your love even more, then sign up for our new podcast subscription today for only $5 per month. Head to impactdanceadjudicators.com slash support our pod or click the link in our show notes or email newsletter now to sign up for exclusive content. Plus, the first 20 subscribers will receive a free Making the Impact tote bag and a discounted online critique from me. Join our Platinum Premium subscription now to help us continue to keep making the impact in the competitive dance world. I was just going to say, I'm, I am, you will probably by the time this episode releases, I'm working on an article right now for Dance Parent 101 about why ballet dancers have to wear their hair in a bun. 
And so I have a whole segment on, well, can can everybody wear a bun? Like, can, can every hair type wear a bun? And yes, but we have to remember that if a dancer has natural hair, it's going, it's just going to look different. You know, I'm talking about African-American natural hair where it's, it's not treated, it's just growing naturally, which means it's thicker and it's bigger and it's not going to look the same as my bun right. with my very, you know, fine, straight hair. And also thinking about, okay, a dancer with box braids. Right. That hairstyle can go into a bun. It's not going to look like my bun, but it can go in a bun. And if all we're asking for is uniformity, Courtney, like you were saying, it still allows your own personal culture, you know, personality, style, hair type to live its best life while also conforming, you know, and I think that's such a big part of the conversation in the dance industry right now, period, including makeup, which I want to touch on as well, of like how uniform can we really ask people to be when, you know, even the Rockettes now are not uniform the way they used Mm -hmm. to be, you know, so how, how far is too far and how can we still create that look if that's the desire of the choreographer to say like, we look this one way for whatever reason while also making sure you're respectful of everybody's like actual humanity. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you said that. And I wanted to go there. I wanted to flip over that same discussion to the makeup side of things and talk about, you know, like the palettes, the, the, the makeup palette. I know there's a lot, probably a lot of studios out there that like go to the drugstore and pick their favorite. Okay. You're going to go buy this palette. You're going to get this lip color and this number. You're going to get, you know, get whatever foundation matches you. But we have to remember that like there are lots of different shades of people and maybe what looks great on Leslie will not look great on me when it comes to the eyeshadow palette that who uh, you recommended. So what are our thoughts when it comes to creating that uniformity? Do we need everyone in the same color lip shade? Do we need everybody in the same palette using the, you know, Mac 101 whatever? <laughs> Like, and also, like, do we need to use, like, MAC, one whatever, and Urban <laughs> Decay and all of these? Or, like, will drugstore brands be enough? So many questions. <laughs> so I personally believe that there's nothing wrong with uniformity and, like, having everybody look the same. But also understanding that not all the tones, like, a brown that looks good on me is not a brown that's going to look good on Courtney or somebody with darker skin tones. So just, like, Understanding that before even going into it is going to be the best case scenario. I think to have like a an eye that everybody should do and like the range of colors, like, hey, I want everybody to do their neutrals because mm-hmm. my neutrals, again, right. are too light for somebody with somebody with dark skin and my, their neutrals are way too dark for me. So just like understanding that there is a difference and accommodating to everybody's differences because it is... And it goes into like industry stuff. So like passive and competition, like how much like darker skin girls like are inhibited with these makeup artists on set. Right. Like people, unfortunately, which I per- like, I personally believe that if, if you're a hair or a makeup person and you do not know how to do everybody skin yep. and their hair, you cannot claim that you are a makeup artist or a hairstylist. I'm sorry. You cannot claim that. So for like, with like the eye stuff. So making sure that everybody, you know, is uniform, but in their shade tones. And, you know, yeah, like growing up, we we were drugstore girls, we slapped that stuff on us. Does it hold up the same? Kind of not really sometimes, you know, I believe that at least with foundation, a brand that's really good is L'Oreal's Infallible. That's a really good drugstore foundation that's full coverage. 
one of the higher end that I is my holy grail that I used on tour because I'm a melter. I sweat a lot. Denesta Myricks, she has amazing products, waterproof, amazing eye stuff that is that will look on every skin tone. For me, like the lip stuff, if we're going to like, you know, matching lip stuff, neutral, like their people's nude, just making sure it's their nude right. or their skin tone. And then I believe there's nothing wrong with a red lip. You know, some people don't like a red lip, lip. but if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. The only thing I don't really like is like a dark lip on like, like lighter skin tones. I feel like it's just very hollowing and harrowing on stage that unless it's like the routine is like, you know, calls for that. I don't think dark lips should be on the stage personally. I kind of agree. I've seen, I've seen lipstick so dark where it looks almost like brown black on stage yeah and i don't think that's the look they're going for i think it's supposed to be like a dark like maroon or something but it just reads weird and wrong and wrong on stage and i have actually like thinking about lip color i feel like lip color is a little bit trickier because i do Mm -hmm. think that it is hard to cater to everyone's skin tone with lip but then i also think we have to like determine all right, well, we can't go too bright because if you're the only one in like fire engine red lip on stage, everyone else is like a little bit more muted red, then we we need to kind of figure this out because then my eyes going to like the bright red lip over there. Or if someone's wearing pink when it's supposed to be red, it's, you know, I think we have to like, I think everyone needs to sit down and be like, put your lipstick on, let, let me approve it. Like I think studios need to do like a makeup run. Isn't that what dress rehearsal is for? And like, make sure because like i do agree i think there's some things that you can get away with for drugstore stuff and then there's some things that you can just go to sephora and buy and it's gonna last you forever like you're gonna have it for a long time it's gonna be quality the pigment is better it's you know it's even like the setting spray i think that's crucial to remember setting spray because like you said caroline you're like melting away when you're like doing quick changes <laughs> left and right and this and that and you know a lot of people are doing like the the lipstick that like you paint on and doesn't leave your face for like days yeah. <laughs> um, yep. you know if that works great if because you know little kids when you're quick changing and you don't want to get your lipstick on your costume like if you can find a brand that that works and uh is also the shade that your studios approve then great but a trend that i see a competition i want to ask y'all's opinion on your thoughts is a lot of people are doing like colored lips to match their costume yeah. like if they're like frozen and like they're, they're it's like an ice dance or something then they put like blue lipstick on or i've seen like green lipstick and i'm and i'm just like what's going i don't know i'm i'm questioning i i kind of very much dislike it that's just me <laughs> every time i see it i'm my head just like kind of goes to the right i'm like what's happening here like who who thinks this is cute because i don't think it's that cute what are our thoughts <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like that can call for like an editorial kind of like photo shoot, but it doesn't read on like things like in pictures or in person doesn't read all the time on stage. So we have to like shift and maneuver and work through that. I feel like it's somebody started the trend. Somebody did. And then everyone's like, oh, we're going to get like lipstick to match the costume. TikTok. Probably. Or the gl- <laughs> what about the glitter lips? I haven't seen them in a while, but you know what I'm talking about. Ooh, I remember that. I like a glitter lip. I like a glitter lip. <laughs> I like a gl- like a red glitter lip. Yeah. Ooh wee. Yeah. 
Glitter <laughs> was like the thing for a while back in the day. Oh, yeah. Body glitter, hair oh, glitter, yeah. glitter on the lid. Glitter, glitter. Eyeshadow glitter. <laughs> Actually, I will say eyeshadow glitter. Uh, not sure if I love it because I see a lot of glitter more than their eyeballs. Like I want to see mm. you looking at me and or not me, but like eyes up. And when I'm seeing more glitter, that means you're looking down. So well, that's mm, their problem, not the glitter's I know. problem. <laughs> but, but then I'm like, why am I looking at glitter? And usually it's like blue. Usually it's like a blue something yep. glitter. And then I'm also like, please hold. First, let's remove the glitter. Second, let's remove the blue. And let's go in like a appropriate neutral pat like smoky eye for stage. <laughs> yeah. If if you people want to do glitter, you can't slap all glitter on the lid. It's best if you just put it in the center, mm. right in the center, cuz actually it's where your eye lines up and it actually will open and make your eyes look brighter Ooh. rather than slapping it all across the lid. Tips. Great tips, tips, tips. from Miss Diamond. <laughs> you talked about taking care of your hair on the in between and on the daily and everything. But so I have this issue and I'm an adult person with like, you know, adult hair. When I have very clean hair, Mm. I can't get it to do anything. Mm -hmm. Even if I put products in it, it feels like it just will not go. So like, you know, I usually have my best hair days and used to also for ballet and stuff. It would just go up like on the third or fourth day after. But it wouldn't be cute, mind you. It would be greasy and gross, but it would get Mm -hmm. back there and it would stay Mm -hmm. put. What do you do with your, you know, your daughter, you wash her, her hair on the fifth day of the week or whatever, and then she has to go to ballet the next day. Are you just reloading it back up with hairspray? Like, what is that? Great question. My daughter and I talk about this often because, you know, she'll she'll have that same question and I'll tell her, look, at some point we've got to reset the hair. Yeah. Like, you have to wash it. You right? have to wash it. It's time. I hate washing You have to hair. wash it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And she has that really thick very silky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ponytail holders just mm-hmm. will slide mm-hmm. right through. We have a we have a product called Texture Takeover that is your key to all of this. It's like a mixture of a hairspray, dry shampoo, volumizer. Mm-hmm. So, it's a texturizing spray. And so what I've gotten her to start doing is spray into clean hair. So, it gives your one of the taglines is gives your style grip. Okay. Right? Ooh, I like it gives that. your hair grip. So, your yeah, so your style doesn't slip, right? So, it's kind of like here's your chance to make it feel dirty, but you're still clean. (laughs) Also, I have her spray since it's when it's so clean and it's really slick. I have her spray around the hair where the ponytail holder goes to help it get a little bit of grip there. So it's less likely to slip out because we have tried every ponytail holder on the earth, every single one, like you name it, we've tried it. And we kind of keep going back to there's some goody ones that I love. I use those. that forever ouchless it's called mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more robust than like yep. your normal your normal hair tie so that really works for her and we end up having to use two of those wow. so but yes so try to make your hair feel a little less slick mm-hmm. is it this product is perfect for that and you can kind of layer it each day it's not it's not crunchy like a hairspray mm, nice it adds a nice bit of volume and texture that's great yes gotta have the texture i'm gonna use this i'm gonna use that tip i'm gonna get that spray because it's a joke with it's just so slippery. It's so slippery. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what else it's good for? And I see this often with the younger girls. You know, they're required. There was one cute little hairstyle the, the group younger than my, my youngest was needed to do. And it was like the two little oh, yeah. um, space buns, right? So like the two cute little buns at the top of their hair. But these little baby fine hairs on these little girls, you can't really get. I mean, much less one bun. I mean, yeah. one bun is <laughs> yeah. like two buns, yeah. right? 
So it's like, what do I do? And, and you know, you don't want to really always want to use the donut. Mm. Like that's another conversation. Like, do you use Ooh. the big donut? I, I'm totally no against the donut unless you <laughs> have to. Donuts are no good. But what this spray will do is if you can like spray the hair and back hair and like tease it a little bit, it gives a little bit more like substance mm-hmm. to the hair so that you can form it in a cute nice. little bun. So that's been been a helper for the little ones. Yes. Okay. So now you brought it up. We got to talk about the donut. The donut was not a thing when we were growing <laughs> up and the evolution of this, of this product. I don't, I don't even know how to feel about it. It's a no. It's a, it's a no. It's a, it's a, but why is it a no? I need, I need some more context because uh... people want the con because people love that bun. People love that donut. Breezy, Everybody boom, loves it. A bun, why? But... And why is it no good? Tell us all the things, Lynn. <laughs> Okay, so I feel that people would go to the bun like an anchor, right? So they needed that to, to, to pin the hair to so they feel like they could get a secure bun. But all it does is add a layer of complexity, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> and bulk. I think that you can, yes, exactly. Using the right tools and the right techniques, which takes a little bit more effort, I guess, to kind of figure out. You can, you can get a really nice bun, even on fine hair with the right products and the right technique and you know buns back in the day I'd say back like I don't know even seven years ago or so it was all about it was all about big buns right but I think now it's much much more about being uniform slick nice pretty a bun so we don't necessarily need that donut thing don't do it (laughs) don't do the donut y'all well and like for years and years and eons again with this article that I'm writing I've been researching like the history of the bun because it's tradition ballerinas and dancers wear buns. And so from like 1865, when the Paris Opera Ballet decided to have a dress code, that was the first time you saw en masse ballet dancers slick their hair back. And like, it was a little bit more styled in the front than we're used to now. But like, people have been wearing buns and doing buns without a donut for over 150 years. (laughs) So like, do we need this little styrofoam thing? Maybe not. Maybe it's a gimmick. I don't know. I've tried every, I've tried every, like, I don't know, I want to say gimmick, but every tool that comes out, I'm a sucker. I'll buy it because I love this stuff. Right. So I, I like, <laughs> like to maybe this. Figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. I just always go back to the good old traditional button. Yeah. And it really isn't hard once you, you just, like you said, it takes a little bit of effort to make it correct. And like, you know, if your hair is really short, you're probably not going to get a great bun, but the donut wouldn't help you right. with that either. So. And <laughs> hairpins for the bun are really helpful. So don't, Mm-hmm. As opposed, as opposed to, to a bobby, so correct, and that's mm-hmm. something that took me a long time to finally figure out. And there is a bunch of different hairpins on the market, but I like the hairpins that are the thicker hairpins and not the thin ones that just like you shove it in and it just bends the other way. Like right away, you need they need to be a little bit stronger, and you can really like you know anchor that that bun in place with the hairpin. So. I think the bobbies are more for securing things onto your head or keeping flyways back or smoothing things out. But then the hairpins are really what can, you know, for French twists and for buns, go for the hairpin. That will help you. The bobby pins are good for keeping the hairnet yes. on the bun, mm, right. right? So once you've created the bun, put the hairnet and you get those little bobby pins through the holes and really secure it around the bun. But yes, those big, thick hairpins are where it's at there's also with my little girls that have all the hair there's a corkscrew yes have you seen the corkscrew i've seen that that actually looks brilliant okay that one Hmm. does work it does work so if you've got a lot of hair and let's say it's really thick and it's going to be heavy 
I y'all I I did something so bad for my little girl like she this this last competition she I guess um, last year she wanted like a little chignon so the little bun to the side Mm -hmm. right behind the ear and we did it all season long it was perfect the last one last competition of the season mommy's skills I guess I was rushed I don't know what happened but it was not my best work and it started coming out like it stayed in the bun but it it, like started breaking away from her hair and from her head and I felt awful and I swore I would never let that happen again (laughs) but (laughs) she had a little hair malfunction but yeah the corkscrew is so good for that thick hair because it just kind of keeps it all nice and together so many new tools on the market who knew corkscrews my head is my head is feeling the PTSD from all the bobby pins over the years (laughs) when you'd get a headache from how tight everything was on your head like Oh, but there was never a great pin. release, like taking your hair out. Oh, yeah. and scratching oh, it. So good. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> it's so true. So on the hair discussion, I think it's helpful. There's a lot of hair trends right now as far as styles of hair. Like I think pretty much what's happened in the industry, at least from what it seems like to me, I very, very, very rarely see studios change hairstyles throughout an event, like I mentioned. Like I just don't think there's the time anymore with with the addition to levels, with the addition to maybe you're attending a convention versus a comp and competitions only half a day. There's not enough downtime in between your dances to do a full-blown hair change. So now every studio has kind of like acquired their studio hair, quote unquote, and you just leave it like that for all your dances and hope that it works and whatever. So that being said... I'm sure as a parent, that makes her life so much easier to just leave the hair and add a flourish and add an applique and add a hair piece. And, you know, that's how we zhuzh up the appearance. But I know as a choreographer and like I'm going in two different directions here, but I know as a choreographer, like there are sometimes I have a vision for what the whole presentation for the dance needs to look like. And sometimes that involves like a high ponytail and then it kind of gets shot down as the choreographer because it's like it's not possible we can't change to a high ponytail we're in a low bun i know you want this we couldn't possibly. yeah we couldn't <laughs> possibly make that happen so then i feel like the whole thing like kind of like what you mentioned lynn earlier like you can't do hip-hop with a bun you know it's just <laughs> please it's just, no yeah it's just like doesn't look right doesn't feel good too for the dancer even though it's convenient and there's not enough time in the schedule so that being said we talked about the, the center part low bun. We feel like that's a nice, classic, clean, slicked look. But what are some of the other ones that we've seen that we like or think or seen that we don't like at competition? I'm thinking of one off the top of my head, but I want to see if you guys pick it. I love the two braids. I really do. Like, I think it's so pretty and it's really feminine. And like I said, like it adds texture. I think that's really pretty in the hair. If it's done really neat, but then again, not all parents right. know how to braid. So it's like there's probably two moms with an yeah. assembly line, right, of kids <laughs> behind stage trying to braid. So I do love that. And I, you're right. Like you have to go, for, like we went from center part low bun and I had to go to high wow. pigtails. But we always, but the, the hip hop dance was it conveniently always last. So that kind of worked. And, you know, with our hairsprays, that was like a big thing for us that mm. it's brushable, right? Because sometimes when you use too much of that gel, it just gets gross and you can't brush it yeah. and now you've got tears. And I mean, that has happened to me. So with the hairsprays, it's great. So I, I love that when you can change and that makes it really nice. But back to your question, the braids are my favorite. And I love like maybe just one braid or 
there there have been some cool ones I've seen in the past, but I can tell you there's one there's that you don't like. What is it? Oh, the one that I don't like. (laughs) I don't really like these like faux hawk things that are happening. Yes, the bun. Yeah, they're like those are back. Those are back. They're back at competition, and I'm I'm kind of like confused by it because it's but they're like very elaborate. Like it looks like someone spent a lot of time on on these faux hawk ponytails or faux hawk buns or sometimes they braid them to the faux hawk and it's like this beautiful like poof at the top and then boom 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 like i don't it's just it almost comes across as like too much and yeah it's just like a lot i'm impressed by it because i'm like wow you spent a lot of time on your hair and then you then everyone comes out and then they put like an applique with the the giant fro you know faux hawk and i'm like this is just i just can i just have like a sleek clean look you know is what i'm thinking unless like the dance calls for it you know like unless like this we're doing something really extreme and we want to go over the top and we want to have this thing but i'm like i don't know if that's the right choice for like a studio-wide this goes with everything type of hairstyle which is what we see often now leslie what's yours is that is it the same that's that's the one i i do not like the bun faux hawk but you know me like and, and most people know me most of the time i have a poof because I'm very short. And if you add the poof <laughs> to my hairstyle, I am like two inches taller. So I'm here for the poof. But no, the, I agree. I think that, you know, I, I immediately thought of, you know, the, the bun faux hawk or even just the faux hawk ponytail situation. And number one only looks really good with really long hair, in my opinion. Mm. Like if you're going to do the faux hawk into a ponytail, like you don't want like your sad little poof of a ponytail. That just doesn't do what it, it needs to do. But I would love to see that for like a Lady Gaga production number. Like, yes, that's the hairstyle mm. for that dance. But when you're doing La Vie on Rose, mm, mm-hmm. it's not the hairstyle for that dance. Or like La Via Dolorosa, that's what I was thinking mm-hmm. of. Like, it's not it's not the hairstyle. So I agree. I think that keep it simple because, yes, hair matters, but it also can kind of be a deterrent. Not a deterrent, but a distraction. Distraction. Yeah. I love a French twist, personally. I know they're an- Ooh, annoying yes. to do, but I think that they just are sleek and clean and classic. I mean, look at the Rockettes, y'all. They wear a French twist every single day, and they look clean and put together. Like, it is just, I feel like you are talking business when you walk out on stage with a French twist. And, like, <laughs> I honestly, like, take you serious right away. Like, first impressions are everything. If you have a sleek presentation and something like, a sleek a sleek bun and i don't know i think it says a lot if you come in if you come out with like a sleek bun that's making me immediately think maybe they're like super classically trained maybe they have tons of ballet technique this is like their go to whereas a studio that might come with like a half up half down and that's their go to i might have like a different initial opinion like a you know a first impression just honestly based on what kind of shoe you're wearing how you walk on stage, and what your hair is doing. I mean, presentation says a lot about coming prepared for the the job, but it's not a job, it's a competition, but, you know, same thing. So I don't know. I, I love a French twist. I love a low pony sleek. I love the center part. I think the center part looks great on everyone. I think it's classic and clean. You don't like center part, Leslie? I hate a – do you see how deep this part is? I hate a center part. I mean – My face is not symmetrical, oh. so I have to off offset things. Yeah. and. I'm trying to think yeah. of um I don't really like when uh we we put gems and things in our parts and stuff like that. I don't really understand it. That's a throwback. Caroline, I want to 
Caroline, you you made a face at the French twist. I want to hear your um, pros and cons and positives and negatives. I, I think everything is just from personal experience. <laughs> Trauma. My, yeah, my, my personal disdain. Our studio was like, we were like a low, low bun, low pony girls. And then one year my teacher was like, let's do the French twist. And my mom like had no idea how to do it. And it was always, she was always like, it was always just a screaming match yep. yeah. when we had to get this French yeah. twist. And because I have so much hair mm-hmm. that it like flipping it under, mm-hmm. by the time we like actually flipped it under, it, this whole thing was like the the faux hawk, yeah. not what we want. <laughs> and so it was just always a thing because like I just never had the same hair texture as everybody else in my group. Everybody had like the sleek straight hair and then there's caroline looking like uh-huh. tasmanian devil coming out <laughs> with her wispies getting yelled at so <laughs> but i think i think the french twist looks really elegant and it looks really beautiful i just wish i was capable of doing it. right <laughs> maybe i'm just jealous i'm just jealous <laughs> maybe i feel you i feel you so hard on that oh my god so many things yeah i mean all the hair choices. So I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is to have a hairstyle that suits everyone, is is able to work with everyone. You know, maybe if you have someone like Caroline's hair, we don't do French twists. You know, the end. Maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe we go the bun. Maybe. And something that we didn't really talk about, which I know time is up, but hair down and things like that we briefly touched on. And like you said, Lynn, like the hairography and the movement of the hair and putting that in the piece, I will say if you have your hair down in any capacity, that it would be ideal to have it a little bit off your face because when it's just covering your face, it's just so distracting and we can't see your beautiful face. And then like you said, it gets caught in your eyelash and it's like, it's a lot. So I think that if we're going to do it, a sleek to clean half up, half down is always a great, great idea. Sometimes people do like the part and they pull back just the front and they like put it underneath. So at least like it looks like a headband type of thing where it's at least off your face is important. But I I sometimes get excited when I see dancers with hair down because it's just something different. Like when when we aren't doing hair changes at competition and someone comes out with like a half up, half down, I'm like, cute. Let's hope it does. You know, it doesn't stay in your face the whole time. But I'm like excited. Like, yay, hair, hairography. I always dance with my hair down. So I'm in support of that. But I think that it sometimes can be a little distracting. I also think it's important to practice and perform with your hair down. Absolutely. When you become a professional, I mean, not all the jobs, but a lot of jobs like require your hair being down and you can't be like this on camera. (laughs) You have to figure out what that extra and count is (laughs) slapping your hair to the other side. So it's out of your face. It's true. It's, it's, It's real true. So I like the, the, the juxtaposition of both though. Yeah, make taking class with maybe like every now and then it's like, all right, you can have your hair down for this jazz combo. We're going to do some hairography, like incorporating that into the training, I think could be helpful. Like that's such a great point that a lot of people probably don't even think about when you do become a pro. Like if you've only ever known my hair has been slicked back in a bun my whole entire career as a dancer, Mm -hmm. then what? My hair has to come down? I've never done this before. You know, it's going to be hard to navigate. Is there any, Lynn, do you have any... I don't know if this is even a thing, but like, I hate dancing with my hair down. But as in the musical theater world, you know, you're not coming with your hair in a bun most of the time to an audition. You're coming with it half up, half down. And I get just like you, Caroline, I get so sweaty and my head sweats. So the minute I start sweating, my hair looks like trash. 
like complete trash unless it is up. Is there any product or any tips you have to keep that from happening? Yes, actually. Oh my I gosh. Do have some tips. <laughs> so we, um, you know, we sponsor dance teams and, you know, dance teams that are on the sideline. I mean, that that's the look, yeah. right? Like you need your hair down. It's got to be really pretty, but they also sweat a ton because it's hot, especially here in Texas. So the product that I was talking about earlier, the texture takeover, that product um, really helps even with humidity or when you start sweating, it really helps keep let your hair kind of keep its structure while you're dancing. Ooh. So you're not going to like lose, like if you put a cool wave in it, you won't lose that wave so quickly. It really helps kind of keep the wave in the hair and not like a hairspray you would spray on top. It's something like you're actually putting the hold and the texture in the style. So then that way it lasts so much longer all throughout your hair flips and your sweating and all wow. of the above. Okay, okay great. we all have to get this this uh, texture that. cream. It's wait, what is it? It's like a is it a cream? It's a spray. Okay, it's a spray. we all have to get this spray, spray. y'all. Mm-hmm. I'll make Put it, it in happen. the cart. Put it mm-hmm. in the cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really it's it's really versatile and you know, we use um we have another product, product I'll tell you that I love too and, and and one one of the things I always say so is if you have to work work your hold into your style. So like if you're going to be slicking back your hair, spray with like a styling spray or we have a great one that we use that's in our line. Spray the hold into the style so that at the end you're just finishing mm. with the hairspray and you're not rely, re- relying on that hairspray to right. hold every single wow. piece in place. Great that's tip. a hot tip. Hot tip. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love so it. many <laughs> hot tips on this episode. It's great. Well, I feel like we could go on and on and on and on. I guess we need a 2.0 for this one. Man. We, we always, always do. do. Good for us. But this is <laughs> season yeah, five. Yeah, <laughs> this is so, 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 so informative. I think we had so many hot tips shared on the makeup and the hair side. I think we talked about some things we love, some things we hate, some things we can do better at for competition. And hopefully maybe this opens your eyes of your studio owner or teacher as to how to approach makeup and hair for this upcoming season. We wanted to put this nice and early in season four so you could make those choices after you listen and decide what is that studio hairstyle going to be and maybe we shouldn't do the the faux hawk and maybe we should (laughs) we should all do you know different shades of lipstick that matches our skin tone. So yay for that. So so much helpful advice. Thank you to both of our guests for joining us today. This was so much fun. And what a way to kick things off in season four. I hope you guys enjoyed your time on the pod. We love having you. And uh, how we usually have our guests lead us out on making the impact is to just share one final bit of advice, helpful hot tips if you have any final ones you didn't mention, or any final thoughts when it comes to hair and makeup for the competition stage. I feel like I, I, I slipped in all the things that I, that I think about all the time. I will end with a funny. So my daughter, I mean, my own daughter who sees me developing products and sees the ins and outs every day. She went through this phase where she only wanted water. Like, I'm just going to style my hair with water. And I told her, I said, well, if water styled hair, we wouldn't have hair products. I wouldn't have a job (laughs) or a line. I said, so let's go ahead and start exploring these hair products a little bit more because water is just not going to cut it. (laughs) That's true. Totally. (laughs) I feel like with makeup, especially now that there's like 5,000 different makeup brands, products, all these things, it can be very overwhelming stepping into that space. If you're a mom who's not really like so inclined with the makeup, or if you're a kid and you're like, want to try, 
I always suggest starting with one area of the face first. If you're like, I want to become amazing at makeup, it just becomes overwhelming. And then you're going to be like, I'm not good at this. I'm terrible. And then you'll just, you'll throw the whole thing away. So I say one thing at a time. So I usually say something small, like an eyebrow or a lip. Really nail how you do your eyebrows every day, working on your eyebrows, because it really comes to practice makes perfect. <laughs> your dance teacher has told you that once or twice. <laughs> and just like really mastering that one area before moving to something more intense, like skin. Skin's really hard to do. And eye work is really tough, like cat eye making them uh, even. I, I got you another hot tip on how to make your cat eye even. Follow your bottom lash line out. You'll always get it even. Both sides. Mic drop. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely need that tip. <laughs> Do you have something else, Lynn? I, yeah, I actually, I, I have another one. I'm sitting here thinking I, I actually do have one um, I'd like to mention. So, you know, we talked about products. We talked about styles. We didn't really talk about brushes. And I have to say that brushes are also so important when it comes to styling the hair and transforming the hair. I see moms all the time trying to do ponytails with like, you know, the big just brushes that you would detangle with. And it's like, no, mm. no, no, that's not going to work. You know, you got to have a really good brush with bristles that are close together so you can really, you know, slick back and you should brush and spray at the same time to really like pull the hair back. A brush is key and make sure you replace it often because bristles do get worn out. So it's like that it can be your best friend when you're styling hair. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode all about hair and makeup for the competition stage. Be sure to follow our very special guests on social media. You can find Caroline at Caroline M. Diamond and also follow her makeup account at Red Diamond Makeup. And be sure to check out Lynn's hair care line, Fave for Hair, for more tips and tricks on how to keep your hair competition ready. Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want more exclusive episodes, support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium membership for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shoutouts live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Join now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash support our pod or click the link in the show notes. Be sure to check out IDA-affiliated competition, Star Talent. Star Talent will be celebrating their 17th season in 2023. They are thrilled to continue to work with Impact Dance Adjudicators by having IDA judges on all of their judging panels. Star Talent holds events in Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And their national finals will take place in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, June 14th through 18th. Their competition was created to provide a positive dance environment for both recreational and competitive dancers. Their goal is to provide you with an atmosphere that is fun, organized, and fair for dancers, teachers, and parents. Star Talent believes that competition is about becoming the best dancer that you can be in performance and attitude. Awards are presented by category and divisions, and high score awards are separated by three levels. Star Talent also offers cash awards, scholarships, and title opportunities. To learn more about Star Talent and to register for an upcoming event in their 2023 season, visit their website now at startalentproductions.com. Season four is off to a great start, and we've got more excellent episodes coming your way. Stay tuned for shock value and triggering subjects at competition, when to go pre-pro, and why some studios don't compete. We are so excited to be back for season four, and we hope you're enjoying the episodes so far. 
We'll see you next week. Until then, keep dancing.